If you go into surgery with any injury and thinking that everything's going to be 100%, you're fooling yourself. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 84. Today is another segment of Ask the Doc. So most of the questions that I've been receiving have been related to my surgery and rehab in the last podcast was related to physical therapy and rehabilitation. So I figured I would give an update on my post-surgical condition and then a little recap for those who may have not listened to the last episode and talk about recovery. And I'm not talking about recovery from a workout, recovery from an injury, recovery from surgery. That will be the focus Today, so just a little recap, I have had a plethora of injuries and I've had a few podcasts on some of them, plantar fasciitis, my meniscal tear and 13 inch surgery for that. I've had Achilles tendonitis, um, what's called uh, metatarsalgia. I've had IT friction bend syndrome, but um, my most recent surgery is in 2022, April. I had what's called microfracture surgery. And I also had a surgery in 2020. I left, um, I tore my meniscus, partial tear, and had a cartilage injury and a meniscal tear um, following the ski injury. So I had surgery for that and never really got better. I never was able to get back to running. So I went and had a second opinion, had an MRI, which showed another cartilage injury. I'm not sure. That was from another accident. I skied this last season. But I didn't have any major injuries. And um, I was doing some running. So, but the MRI showed a new, what's called um, a cartilage defect. So my medial femoral condyle, which is basically the inside of your knee. The top top bone is the femur, bottom bone is the tibia. So it's the inside of the top bone of my knee. Inside, which is the middle area of my knee. And um, that was causing my pain. I had some swelling and I couldn't run without pain or just normal a normal run pattern. So I decided to risk having surgery, been out of commission for a while, basically having to stop and start over in order to run again. I really love running. And not, I love running, um, as we've talked about before, and the name of my podcast, Running Distributed Therapy. I like running for the feeling I get. I didn't adrenaline rush yet, although some people say they don't get it. The runner's high is a real thing, although I've never been high off any illegal stuff. So I have nothing to compare it to in, in for us that instance, but I have had runner's high and it's like no other. I mean, I do other stuff and, and, and I enjoy skiing. I enjoy swimming sometimes. I enjoy cycling. I love it, but there's nothing like the runner's high, but I enjoy running for the feeling. I enjoy running for the fitness benefits. It's really a good ab workout. I enjoy the people, camaraderie, 
running conversations that that we have on a lakefront here in Chicago and my Ren family in Philadelphia, which is still I consider my family. But although I love running, uh, we I have a love hate relationship because that's when I get most injured from running. Usually chronic use, even though my last injury was related to skin, but the fact that I couldn't run is a lot of stress and pounding, particularly. If you run on certain surfaces in which I run usually downtown the trail, so it's mainly concrete. I don't do a lot of trail running because it's just convenient for me to get up my house and just run on the trail. And it's relatively safe compared to some places, particularly when I have to run early in the morning and late at night. So it's convenient. And uh, I think it's the best option for me, particularly this time of year when the days are getting shorter, it's getting colder. Um, and I'm always strapped for time because I do too much. So I took a risk to get better, although there's nothing guaranteed. And if you go into surgery with any injury and thinking that everything's going to be 100%, you're fooling yourself. So it's a risk-benefit ratio. So I wasn't even getting any better. I was plateauing. I had done everything. So I don't think I was going to get back to the running, even though... I really don't have to be able to run at a certain pace in order to finish an Ironman race or do a triathlon. You can power walk. You can do smaller races and you don't have to put as much distance in on, on the, the run compared to, say, an Ironman was 26.2 miles and it's a certain time limit. So you have to be in a certain pace. The risk benefits. So this surgery, money, time out of work, therapy, Surgeries with risk. I mean, any surgery where you go under anesthesia, you potentially have the risk of death. So those are risks. But the benefits is my knee won't hurt. I can run. I can can get back to running like I did before. And I took the risk. I had what's called a microfracture. If you don't know what it is, um, it's a scope. So it's just small incisions, which they went through the same incisions from my previous surgery on the knee. And the area where my cartilage was damaged using a shaver, kind of debris around the area, get the unstable flaps, take this what's called a pick, poke holes in my cartilage, cause it to bleed. And what is supposed to happen is cartilage, fibrocartilage, you're supposed to fill in, versus original highland cartilage, which is better that we were born with. But it does give cushion and will help if it heals with the pain and function may not be as good as it was before. But better than it was before. That's the goal. So, had the surgery in April. The rehab is pretty intensive. Because basically you have to stay off of it to let it heal. So, I had to be on crutches for a total of six weeks. And initially, I thought I would have to be what's called non-weight-bearing. But fortunately, the location where my cartilage defect was... It was not as load-bearing, so I could actually do what's called toe-touch um, weight-bearing, which is not like I have to hop on one foot. I can just put a little weight on my, my toe with my crutches. And with crutches in me, I have crutches from before because, again, I've had surgery and I've had other injuries. But I had a bike crash last year, so and I broke a bone in my hand. And as a result, if I put pressure, a prolonged amount of pressure on it, it hurts. And to use crutches, you basically have to, you're supposed to push in your hands to help. And 
the fact that I couldn't put that much weight on my legs was a lot of pressure, so I got some elbow crutches. But they're not as stable as the other crutches, so I practice. And it's harder with stairs, so that was just a challenging part of my recovery. But this is just go over a little bit of rehab of microfracture. So again, I had to be on toe touch weight bearing for six weeks. I did start physical therapy a week after surgery, but I was limited to what I could do. What they did was wall slides, basically put your leg against the wall in front and bend your knee. The goal was to get my range of motion back. Prone hangs, which you lay on the bed and just let your foot hang down. The goal is to make sure that you get the extension, which is the straightening part of your knee. Patella mobilization, your patella is your kneecap. Sometimes after surgery, you get a lot of scars, so the patella mobilization keeps moving. Ankle pumps up and down. You can do circles. Some people do alphabets. Keep it good mobility um, in your ankle. Quad sets, which strengthens your quads. Because if I chopped around on my good leg for six weeks and didn't walk, my quads would be weak. Add surgery to that. So after knee surgery, any type of knee surgery, you're going to have some quad weakness. Modalities, which is ice, electrical stimulation. So this was my first week of rehab. Second week, I continued those activities and add hamstring sets to the equation. Week two through six, continue the previous and then add some Achilles, calf, hamstring stretches. Because you don't want to stretch. You don't want to get tight. Stationary bike, but no resistance. It helps with range of motion as well. Week six through ten. I can put weight on it. Like was weight bearing is tolerated. But me, optimistic person, I think I can put all my weight on my leg. So I go to try to take a few steps and realize that it hurts and I can't put all my So I had to wean myself on crutches. So it took a couple weeks. And sometimes if I went to an event and had to walk a long way or I'll use my crutches, both crutches. So or if uh, after I got down the way, gradually I went from two crutches and trying to increase the rate on my leg. And the therapist had me doing weight shifts to increase the weight on my leg. Then after I was kind of walking a normal gait or a normal pattern, I got rid of the one crutch and just used one crutch opposite my leg for some stability. But if I did too much or if I, like I went to an event and had to walk a lot, I revert back and I'll go back to two crutches just so I can be able to function and have a social life and do things. So week. Six through ten, also, I could do some walking on the treadmill, toe heel raises, double knee bends. Instead of swim with fins, I never swam with fins. I was I was swimming, actually, when I was non-weight bearing. The only issue is I had to get some help into the pool because in order to get in the pool, I had to use the hydraulic lift. You probably don't even notice. You go to the pool, they have this little, little white chair, and then they have a little thing where you can elevate the chair and, and lower it into the water. So I needed help to do that. And then it's just strapped so you won't fall out. So I chose, when I had swim lessons, it was easier because I know I had a lane versus going to LA Fitness and I have a lane and I had to get somebody to help me in one of the gyms I went to. It didn't work and I reported them and I'm sure it still doesn't work. I was swimming and also I went to swim class with my tri group and what I did was they had a bench close to the pool. I just kind of slid off the bench and scooted on my butt to the pool. Because I knew I had a lane that was close to, unlike at the gym. So that was my swim routine. Week 10 through 12, I could progress to single knee bends. More strengthening with my quads. Rowing, um, outdoor biking. So my first outdoor experience, I, I rode on the trail. I rode hmm, maybe 13 miles. 
and I progressed a little bit. So my knee was a little bit sore and I, my arms are sore too because just being on the bike, particularly when I progressed to my um, tri bike because you're on your, your muscles got to get used to it. So week 12 could start a, a return to run program. I knew the reason I chose the therapy um, facility they have what's called an anti-gravity treadmill or ultra G treadmill. And basically you can run at less than your weight, say hundred pounds, just for um, an example, although I weigh more than hundred pounds. So <laughs> say I weigh hundred pounds. When I get on a treadmill, that's a hundred pounds of weight. It's going to be um, exerted using this treadmill. I could just do 60% and versus a hundred percent of my weight. And then what I gradually progress 65, 70, and I use a combination of walk run. So I try not to do, say, if I'm increasing time and increasing the um, percentage of weight and increasing the speed. So I try to increase depending on how I feel. So if I have any pain, I'll, I'll revert back. So that was part. And then I had a return to run program, which started with just 30, five minute increments, 30 minutes maximum. Start off with 30 seconds running. And then you walk four and a half minutes. So if that works fine, you progress and do a minute running, four minutes walking, and progress from there. If any point you have pain or swelling, or, I revert back. So that's the return to run program outside of the anti-gravity treadmill. Week 12 also, I progressed the leg press with 90% weights, leg curls, and week 16, sport-specific training. In season five, we will continue the segment, Ask the Doc. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me, send me a message via social media, or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. My progression with rehab has been slow and on purpose because I do too much and I want the surgery to work. I don't want to revert back. So I have to use common sense and I sometimes don't have common sense, honestly, when it comes to me and my injuries because I do too much and I'm type A plus. So I use pain, swelling as a guy and I also look at I'm going a lot slower today, and I didn't have that issue before. My knee is swollen, obviously. So let's just talk a little bit about recovery from a scientific aspect. There are different stages of recovery. Injury, surgery. I mean, surgery is injury. You take a knife and you cut into people, and you put instruments so that that's an injury. A man-made injury in order to fix whatever's wrong, but it's still you have soft tissue trauma. So, acute phase. In the acute phase of injury, like right after I had surgery, you know, I had crutches, I had bandages, had ice. I also had a CPM machine, which I don't think I mentioned. I had to be on a CPM machine so many hours per day just to keep my range of motion. And I used it for about two weeks. I slept in it. <laughs> so, um, the acute phase is the initial time of injury or surgery. And... You have pain, bleeding, swelling. That's when it's the worst. Your body's aim at this point is to protect from further injury and to protect the extremity, which your leg, your arm, wherever your injury is. 
And it's usually from two to four days post-injury. But this can vary depending on, as we age, of course, our recovery is longer. You use a lot of modalities in acute injuries. Ice is your friend. And after my surgery, I had this cooling machine. Basically, you just put frozen water bottles in it, plug it in, wrap it. And then you just, it's just, it's just wonderful. Only issue was filling it up with me being, you know, on one leg. So that was the main issue. But it's a great machine and it really helps with, particularly after um, shoulder surgeries as well. Well, subacute stage, which is the, this is when you're starting the repair phase. The initial acute phase makes the transition to repairing the injured tissue. This phase commonly helps up to six weeks. When your body is busy laying down new soft tissue, um, like when I was on my six weeks of crutches, my body prayerfully was making good fibrocartilage. Okay? Still, you need modalities, ice. You start a little bit more strengthening, which I was allowed to do more stuff because I could put more weight on my leg. Stage three is the remodeling phase. So your body doesn't just magically stop healing. Healing is a continuum. Around the late stage, your healing tissue is reasonably mature. So you can do more things and that's why you increase the therapy. But it's not strong enough to, say, go back to your sport. So your body is continually remodeling that new tissue. Stage four, ongoing repair and remodeling. This can last from three months to 12 months. So people have surgery. I had surgery in April, fourth month of the year. So it's been about six months. You can see progressions up to up over a year, particularly um, shoulder surgery. People say that they don't really feel like they're back to their normal quote-unquote self until about a year. ACL surgery, even though the rehab is significantly better compared to when initially the surgery was started. So at this time, your scar tissue properly aligns and gains tensile strength needed to withstand the forces that are placed on them when you go back to your activity. This Phase focuses on improving the quality of the new tissue and preventing re-injury. Treatment, this is when you do the sport-specific activities. And people think recovery is linear, as many goes. They say, okay, day one, I'm doing all right. Day two, I'm doing better. Day three, I'm doing better. Day four, five, six, every day is better. And it's not like that. Say, day five, I may be doing great. I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm right with running. So the first time I got on the treadmill, I ran two minutes. No, I walked two minutes, ran a minute. And then I did 30 minutes. I was listening to my headphones. I ran, and no problem. I ran 30 minutes. And I, walk, I usually walk there. So it's maybe 15 minutes from my house. I ran my 30 minutes, walked home. I iced, I believe, just as crushing. But I felt no pain. I was like, yes, 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 yes. I can feel it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get back. So I think I went again. I increased the pace, but I think I kept the same two to one ratio. I'm running. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'll have my headphones on. I'm, I'm having a good time. Great. No problem. So third day, I went, tried to increase. I did. I ran two. Walk one, I believe. You started bothering me. Maybe 15 minutes in. I feel it. Particularly right, like I was saying, where my injury is, is the medial femoral condyle. 
So as I can feel it right in that location, it was like a little, every time I hit it, boom, bing, a ding, 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 ding. It's like, maybe I should stop. But I didn't. I slowed down. I did my walking. So I went back to the shooter one. I slowed down. I slowed my pace. It got better, but it still bothered me. So, because I was going to run, I think I was going to increase it 35 right there. Because it's three days. So, I get off the treadmill. It's hurting. I mean, not bad, but it hurts. So, I walk home. I'm limping, like, slightly. I ice it. I have the compression boots, too. I, got, I put on them. I was like, let me just chill. Take it easy for a couple of days. So, I did. I did my therapy exercises. And then I went, I reverted. So, you know, I had a linear progression. Until maybe I did too much, too soon. Whatever it was, my body didn't like it. So I just kind of just chill. Listen to your body, which is so hard to do. So I did make the walking. And then I just walked on the treadmill. And I think for the next week, I didn't go back to the ultra gym. Then I went back. And then I reverted back to the original, what I started. And I was I had progressed from like 60 to 75, I think, as far as percentage of weight. So I went back to 60. And then I also started to return to run the 30 seconds. So I was doing like three times a week. After that week, I just walked on the treadmill. Started the um, return to run very slow. Because the Ultra G... I said I was going to one therapist that I've been going to, Liz, from the last podcast. But she didn't take my insurance this time. So I picked another uh, facility which had the treadmill. That's the reason I picked it. And she recommended this person that was on my insurance plan. I went down here to do a podcast talking about insurance. Because um, it's very complex and I work in the health field. Just to give people some pointers on how to kind of maneuver it. And I even have issues like I had issues here. So I went to another therapist that she recommended. It was out of network, but they were going to use my network. They weren't going to charge me more than I would have to pay in network. But my insurance only pays for five or six visits out of network. And that's it. And I had met my deductible, so I didn't want to pay to go to a therapist. Um, because the last time I met therapy, was out of network. And it was a lot. So, I chose this other therapist for the reason for the treadmill. And the treadmill stopped working. And that's the reason I started. I went there. This therapist is okay. And I was doing this return to run and Ultra G. Because Ultra G is close to my house. And Liz is the bomb. Um, she gave me some visits. <laughs> so, and then you can buy um, a, a five-pack in Go make an appointment whenever you like. It's more convenient because the other therapist is further from my house. So I stopped going to the other therapist and just did my under home exercise program because I have a lot of things at home. And I was trained as a physical therapist as well, although I'm not the best patient. I admit it. I've been doing home exercise and going to the OTG and doing the um, running. And I was progressing. So when I did the return to run, I started again at 4 and a half to 30. Four and a half. Walking to running. And I progressed. Not impressed. I think I got up to three to two. Three running to walking. And then or maybe I'll go once a week to the ultra gym. But one day. Because a couple weeks ago. It started bothering me again. So I'm like this happened before. I took some time off. It got better. So I just had to tell myself. Because sometimes I get. This woe is me. Oh no. I did too much. I've ruined it. Blah blah blah. 
and like cut it out. Okay, just you need to rest. So I stepped back, did some walking. Did went to the Ultra G, but just did more walking and decrease the percentage again. I went back, and even though I had progressed to three to two, I went back to four to four and a half, and I'm working my way back. Now I'm up to three to two. It's a progression. My goal is to get up to running 30 minutes continuously and then I'll progress from there. And I noticed something too in my walk run. When I'm walking, I'm trying to make sure I'm concentrating on my form. Trying to make sure I have a high cadence. It's less stress and it's just a more, just what you're supposed to do anyway. I always run with a lower cadence. But when I walk, I feel like I'm chilling. I need to walk fast to keep my heart rate up. So I've been walking faster and like my overall pace is better. So I'm like, maybe if the walking, the treatment, the running isn't perfect. I can get to a good pace. I can do some good walk, run ratios and make it to that finish line. The point of this podcast today is, again, to give an overview of some of my microfracture rehab and talk about recovery and how we need to show ourselves grace because every day will not be better than the day before. Like every workout that you do will not be a PR. And if you do, something's wrong. There will be ups and downs. Like in life, you're not happy every day. I wish you have good days, you have bad days. So in recovery, you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows. But the goal is to, over time, see a progression. And I'm doing that. So keep hope alive. If you're injured, seek medical care, whether it be doctor, physical therapy, chiropractor, something that lasts more than a couple of days because that small injury can turn into a big one. That small injury can make you need surgery. And while you may risk, they say, a week or a race, if you have to have surgery, you might be out of season. So take care of yourself. And I hope this episode was of some value to you. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapyolbomahalovebrown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.